Good morning. Hey, we are glad that you're here. Um, we're glad that you're here in the house. If you're watching from home, if we're in your living room, thanks for inviting us in. If you're at a coffee shop someplace watching this, that's great. If you're in some nook or cranny of your house, we're glad that you're here with us and we trust that you're gonna hear God's voice, sense his presence in some, some really cool ways. Um, I wanna share a couple of things just before we jump into the message this morning. About 10 months ago when... Um, I don't, it's hard to even remember what it was like 10 months ago, but we started a third service at that point in time, a service at 8.30 that was designed to be a place that people who were, who were um, more cautious about coming and being together with people at that point in time, that was kind of at the beginning of the second wave, and we, we started a third service to make a space where, where they could do that. Um, I think at this point in time, most everybody that wants to get vaccinated has been vaccinated. They've had an opportunity to do that. Most people are kind of acclimated back into, the, into connection with people. And so I just wanted to let you know, we're gonna bring our 8.30 service to a conclusion on Labor Day weekend. So if you were ever thinking, hey, I wanna come early, don't come in the fall, all right? Because uh, we, we won't be here at that point in time. Actually, we'll be here, but uh, you won't be. All right, so anyway. Uh, uh, um, yes. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the other things that, that, just as we've reflected about, about one of the impacts that we didn't anticipate is that with that 830 service, most of the people who've been coming to 830 service have been, um, have been in the senior phase of their life. And we miss having them with us. Um, I, I think they've missed having a uh, connection with lots of younger people, and we've missed seeing their example, and so that's, that's going to be a, a really cool thing. We're, we're glad about that. Um, our, our mission at North Point is that, that uh, we would help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, that all people would move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. That's why we, we exist. That's what, that's what we're about. Our vision in terms of how we're trying to live that out right now is, is uh, this sense that everybody who would call North Point home would regularly be seeing how Jesus is working in their life and that they would be sharing that in their sphere of influence, in their world, in their connections with people. We've been sharing videos periodically of people talking about how Jesus is working in your life. And, and if you haven't made a video, we want you to do that because it's really, really encouraging to everybody else and it helps you think, how is Jesus working in my life? We've got kind of a unique one this morning. So take a look on screen as we hear another one of those stories. Hello everyone, my name is Jake Chandler. I've been going to North Point since I was a kid with my family. Um, nowadays I'm living over in Kalamazoo where I go to school at Western. Over at Western I've been involved in campus ministry at a place called His House. And I wanted to make this video to tell you guys a little bit about His House, about what it means to me, about why I am passionate about it, and just to tell you a little bit about what I'm gonna be doing there. His House Christian Fellowship is a fellowship or community of believers at Western, at MSU, at a, about a dozen different colleges in Michigan. Um, it's a campus ministry where students can come together and live life together, go through college together, pursue Jesus together, and where we can have honest and fruitful and respectful conversation about faith with each other and with people who might not believe what we believe. 
and where we can just show students at Western the love of Jesus. I am going to be on staff with his house this year. I'm going to be serving his house that way. I feel that God has called me to pursue um, ministry in this way, pursue campus ministry with his house. I feel that it's a very exciting and very unique time in, in a person's life where um, you're kind of trying to figure out who you are in college, um, in the college world, where you want to go, who you want to make of yourself. And, and that's a fantastic time, I think, for a ministry like his house to, to come in and love these students and show them who they are in Christ, um, their true purpose in him, and to just love on them and to show them a love that they might not experience many other places in college. I'm going to be interning there this coming school year, and I just wanted to, to tell you guys at the church about it so that you might be praying for me, um, encouraging me and supporting me. By the grace of God, I am fully funded financially for this ministry, so we can celebrate that, but I can never have enough prayers, never have enough support and encouragement. I'm very excited about what God's going to do this year at Western, at his house. Um, please be praying that he would be working in the hearts of the students here and in the hearts of those I'm going to meet and encounter and be praying for me that I would be filled with wisdom and knowledge and boldness to share the gospel of Jesus um, to the best of my ability this year. Thank you very much. Isn't that cool? Uh, we, we think uh, Jake's story is really cool. This is Jake and his brand new wife, Michaela. Uh, Thank you. Um, I, I, Jake, um, we've seen you, if you've been around for a while, since you were much quieter, <laughs> um, much younger. Um, talk for a second just about what you did uh, the summers after your freshman, or after, I guess, your sophomore and junior years of school at Cedar Point. Yeah, um, so one of the things his house does is every summer they send students to Cedar Point down in Ohio to work all summer long just as regular employees, but with the mindset of sharing the gospel with their, their coworkers. Um, and that is, those, I did that two summers. Yeah. Um, and Michaela did that with me last summer. Last summer? Last summer. Long time and, ago, yeah. And yeah, that was really, a really cool experience. Yeah, I, the, the reason I just wanted to share that with you is because when we talk about um, seeing how Jesus is working in our life and sharing, sharing that with the people in our sphere of influence, that's, you guys intentionally went to create a sphere of influence, and that's really cool. So when you were doing that, when you were going through school, did you think, oh man, I want to be a campus minister when I grow up? I did not, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it even on your radar at all? Uh, I don't think so, no. It wasn't really what I was focusing on. No. What's your degree in? It's in music technology, audio engineering and recording. Those connect somehow in there, sure, right? Maybe. That, that's right. <laughs> so so how, how did God kind of get you there? Yeah, so um, I think God kind of brought a lot of things to a conclusion uh, probably about five months ago in, in March. Um, a few years ago, to go back a little further, I, I was at his house and I met this guy named Raj. He was an Indian international student. He had been going to Western for his grad program. Um, and I, we got to talk and we got to get to know each other a little better and we got talking about our faith and he said he was open. He was not gonna claim anything. He didn't reject Jesus, he didn't accept Jesus. He was just open to whatever. And I said, that's cool, that's great. Would you like to study the Bible? And he was like, yeah, that'd be cool, that'd be fun. So over the course of the last 
couple years, um, minus the summers I was at Cedar Point, but um, last couple years of school, we would do pretty regular Bible studies and we would um, just go through life together a lot. We ate a lot of donuts. He loves donuts. <laughs> um, so it's ministry, I promise. <laughs> but, um, I know. <laughs> but um, that was just a really cool thing for me, just to go through life with him. We became really close friends. We still are really close friends. Um, and in March, I, at our spring break trip for his house, I got to baptize him and he accepted Jesus. And, and follows Jesus and wants to follow Jesus. Yeah, praise God for that. Um, and and that, that kind of just looking back on that was kind of eye-opening, I guess, to me. Yeah. Um, I think one of the best, most effective ways of ministry is, is just living life with somebody and loving them through, through everything. Like Bible study was, I don't know if Bible study was the most important thing in what led him to Jesus more so than just living life side by side and going through life. Studying the Bible is still important and that was crucial. We learned some really important things there that he needed to know. But more so I think just being alongside each other and him experiencing love from Christian people his age was incredibly important and that's something that campus ministry is perfect for because as I kind of mentioned in the video, people are, are trying to figure out who they are where they wanna go, who they wanna be, and Christian college students have a very unique way of loving these people. <laughs> and if I can be a part of that, if I can encourage that and influence more of that, be a part of any more of that, what I, what I got to experience with Raj, of course I'm gonna jump at that opportunity. Yeah, it really is seeing how Jesus is working in your life and sharing that with the people who are yeah. around you. Um, I, we're gonna pray for Jake and Michaela, and, um, and I, I want you to kind of memorize their faces, come back to this, and continue to pray for them, because this next year is really, um, it's, it is a year of ministry and training, but it's exploratory, too. It, it is this sense of, God, is this what you want me to do with my life? And, um, and that's a big deal. Uh, to, to do that's great, if God leads him in some other area where, Jesus, where he's sharing Jesus in a different sphere of influence, that's great too. But this is, this is one of those years. So let's, let's just spend some time praying right now for Jake and Michaela. Um, God, thank you so much for, for Jake and Michaela. Thank you for the way that you have worked in their lives. Thank you, God, for their families, for their, for their parents, for um, Mike and Lori, for Dave and Kathleen, and God, for all of the youth coaches and teachers and people who have poured Jesus into them over the years. Um, God, we, we ask for your protection of them in this next year, for protection of their brand new marriage. Um, God, that you would open up the doors for them to be able to minister individually and together to college students. And God, that you would bless them, that you're, you would just put your hand on them in incredibly cool ways. Um, give them guidance, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Give it up for Jake and Michaela. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, take them out. And um, uh, I'm smiling because I'm looking at what time it is. Uh, uh, really, really short message coming today, okay? Um, take out your Bibles. Oh, thank you, Vic. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Take out your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 7. We're in this series called Crazy Talk. Um, Jesus teaching on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount. 
um, telling us crazy things, things that are, that are revolutionary. And, um, and, and we have this idea that when we embrace the crazy things that Jesus said, he will change the world. He'll change our world. He'll change the world around us. And uh, we're going to look at, at two particular thoughts um, this morning. I'm going to start in, in verse 7. Um, Jesus said, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Um, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that if you've been here through the summer, if you've watched online, if you've kind of caught up, one of the things that I think that you'll find is that Jesus, there are several thoughts that Jesus comes back to over and over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. This idea that we're looking at right now, this concept of prayer, is one of those things because Jesus has already taught back several weeks ago, um, this, is, this is what it looks like to pray. This is how you should pray. Not, not a, a, a rope prayer, but this is a model for what it looks like to, to have a relationship with Jesus when you talk to him. Jesus has already taught and said, don't pray to draw attention to yourself. You know, don't, don't, in a big voice, make everybody pay attention to you. To you. Don't try and use big flowery words, that kind of stuff. Prayer is, is about talking to God, about it being authentic from your heart, about trusting that God is in charge and that we can talk to him. In this passage, Jesus comes back to that kind of out of nowhere and says, hey, look, when you're praying, ask and keep on asking. That, that Greek word, there, there's a, there's a rep, repetitive kind of thing. It's not just a, uh, uh, an idle thought, a passing fancy, a one thought kind of thing where, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask God. God hears our thoughts, he does. But Jesus says, look, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Because you've got a Father in heaven who cares about you. I was trying to think, how can I, how can I, how can I communicate that we need to be persistent with God, but humble? Because it's not like God wants us to be a whiny kid. You, you have been to Meyer, right? And seen that kid that says, Mommy, 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 can I have that? Can I have that? And finally, the parents, just out of frustration, say, yes, I'll buy that. Just shut up. That's not God. That's not who God is, and that's not why we ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. There's a persistence and a humility that comes in out of our relationship when, when we say, God, you know what I need, I, and I know that you know what I need, but I, I, just, wanna, I just wanna share that with you again. Um, the best way I can describe it is this. Amazon Prime, right? Wish list. Um, this is how it goes in my world. Um, my wife has a wish list on Amazon Prime. It has all these things that are there. She studies that thing and, and adjusts it. And you know, somewhere in October or November, she says to me, hey, honey, you know I have a wish list on Amazon Prime. There are some things that would really make my life a lot easier. And I say, yes, dear. And um, then in uh, early in the summer, she says, hey, hon, you know my birthday's coming up on July 10th? Um, I have this wish list on Amazon Prime. It has a host of things that would really make my life lots better, easier. But yes, dear. Then about the middle of summer, she says, hey, 
Rick, you know, I have this wish list on Amazon Prime. Our, our anniversary's coming up. It would be great. She never nags. She, you know, she, she doesn't even ram it home. She, she just says, hey, this is what's going on, and we have this conversation, and here are my needs. Here are the, the desires that I have. It's that kind of relationship with God. When, he, when Jesus says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, that we're open with, with God. We tell him what's on our hearts. And we don't whine to get him to, to coerce him to do our will. It's not that at all. But it's just this consistent um, conversation that happens um, that, that God responds to because he cares for us. Um, the, uh, the, the reason that Jesus said, ask and keep on asking is because God really, really cares about us. That's what Chris said in, in, uh, in the communion thought this morning. God really, really cares about you. He is not some ogre that's up in heaven, distant, just ready to thwack you when you, when you get out of line. God loves you. He cares about you intensely. Um, that, that's crazy talk, right? Because at this time period, Greek, uh, Roman culture, um, the gods, small g, that were a part of that culture, they were distant from people. They didn't care about people at all. People were a problem to them. They lived on a different realm. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's not that way at all. You have a God who cares about you, who came to die for you, who loves you, who created you, who wants to have a relationship with you. Look what Jesus goes on to say in verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Don't miss this. God is good. He wants what's best for you. He gives good gifts. Everything that you experience that's good in this life comes from him. James chapter one says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no shifting shadow or variation. He chose to give, us, give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Do you, do you understand that God looks around and says, about you, that's my boy, that's my boy, that's my girl. Look at them. We are his prized possession. As great of a parent as you think that you are or could be, God is better. I think Tomlin, Chris Tomlin said it well. I've heard a thousand stories of what people think you're like. I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. You tell me that you're pleased and I'm never alone. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. I know we're all searching for answers that only you can provide because you know what we need before we ever say a word. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you because you're perfect in all of your ways. You're a good, good father. Jesus then says something that's really crazy that can change our world in verse 12. 
He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. What's that, what's that known as? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What's that known as? Golden rule, right? That's the gold standard for what it looks like to live as a Christian. It's the, it's the gold standard really for, for what we want everyone to do, how we want them to act in the world. Some skeptics look at the golden rule and they say, we can't trust Jesus. That, that concept, that idea existed long before Jesus. There were other people that, that um, used that phrase, that communicated that before Jesus ever, ever came to earth. And they're right, sort of. The, the, gold, the golden rule predates Jesus. Um, in the 7th century, uh, there's an Egyptian papyrus that says this, that they found, that says, that which you hate to be done to you, don't do to another. In the 6th century BC, Confucius said, never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. In the 4th century BC, a Greek philosopher, Isocrates, said, do not do to others that which, in, in, that which angers you when they do it to you. And in the 1st century BC, 100 years before Jesus, Hillel the Elder, who was a Jewish rabbi, was asked by a Gentile to summarize the Jewish law while standing on one leg. What's, what's, what's the Jewish law is what they said to Hillel, while I can stand on a leg. Basically he was saying, don't give me a long sermon, you know, make it short, kind of what I have to do today. And this is what Hillel said, what's hateful to you, don't do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah. Everything else is just commentary. Do you want, uh, um, Hillel said, what's hateful to you, don't do to your fellow. That's everything. Everything else is, is just talk. They all said roughly the same thing. Don't do anything to anyone that you don't want them to do to you. Don't do anything to anyone that you don't want done to you. Jesus said something crazy, though, something revolutionary, because he said, do to others what you want them to do to you. Do you see the difference? One's a negative and one's a positive. And the positive has all kinds of ramifications that the negative one doesn't. Because Jesus said, not don't do. Jesus said, do. Not don't do, but do. There's a big difference between don't do the wrong thing and do the right thing. Parents, when you send your kid off to school um, in the next few weeks, you can say to them as they go to school, hey, son, daughter, don't give your teacher a hard time. All right, don't make their life tough. Don't be mean to people. That's a very different kind of instruction than if you say to your child, um, hey, when you go to school, do something great for your teacher. Do give encouragement to the kids that they go to school with. Do find a new friend. Do reach out to others. Do you see the difference? It's, it's, it's night and day. Um, a, a boss can say to their employee, don't do anything illegal. That's very different than saying, hey, do what's best for our customer. Do what's best for the company. Don't versus do. Um, you know the, all that's required to fulfill that don't mandate? Nothing. If you don't want somebody to steal from you, don't do it to them. If you don't want somebody to be mean to you, don't be mean to them. If you don't want somebody to come in your house and cough in your face, don't go in their house and cough on their face. 
What's it take to, to fulfill the, all those don'ts? It's just to become a recluse, right? To live in isolation. As long as you don't do bad things, you're in good shape. But we've all learned in the last 15 months, isolation is not what's best for us, right? We need to be in contact with other people. We need to interact with them. And Jesus says, we need to do to others those things that we wish that people would do for us. Where's the focus in that don't version of, uh, of the golden rule? It's on me. It's on what I want. Everything is measured by what I want. If I, if I don't want it done to me, I'm not going to do it to somebody else. Where's the focus in what Jesus said in do to others? That gold standard, it's on others. Do to those people what you would love for them to do to you. The focus is on others. Um, the, the, that, the focus on others is driven by the motivation in our heart for people, not for ourselves. If you're looking out for number one, if that's, if that's what you want, it's easy to say, if I want people to love me, if I want people to accept me, if I want people to forgive me, then I'm gonna love them and accept them and forgive them. But Jesus said, no, love others first. Accept them, forgive them. That's what you want, so extend that to others. The golden rule is not selfish, it's selfless. The golden rule is not a way to manipulate people and to get them to do nice things to you. The golden, purpose of the golden rule is to release the glory of God into our world. That's, that's what he calls us to do. When we treat others because they're made in the image of God, because God has put his thumbprint on them, when we treat people that way, the glory of God comes down into the world and shows the world who God is in an incredible way, that every person has incredible worth and value. People weren't put on earth to be supporting actors in my life story, right? We can't live that way. It's God's story, and each person has value. Each person is of immeasurable worth to God. Um, Jesus says, do what you would love to have happen to you. Do what you've already experienced through Jesus. If you've already experienced grace and peace and mercy and love, forgiveness, extend that to others as well. Even if that doesn't change the way that they respond to you. I understand this. The golden rule doesn't come with if qualifiers. Do unto others if they're worthy of your love. Do unto others as long as they don't hurt you. Do unto others. There are no qualifiers on what Jesus said. If, they're, if they deserve it, if they're nice, if they look like you. Um, so I, I know some of you are thinking right now, wait a second, if I put this into practice, I'm going to be taken advantage of. I, I'm never going to get ahead. I'm, I'm never going to make it in my career. I'm going to be treated poorly by my spouse, by my kids, by whoever. That may work for you, preacher man, but you don't know the people in my life, right? It's easy to think that. The question, though, is do we trust Jesus 
or do we trust ourselves? Jesus said, do to others, treat them the way that you would love to be treated, but do it because that's the right thing to do. Um, Jesus said, you know what? This sums up all the law and the prophets. It, uh, it, it, it was similar to you know, what Hillel said and, and similar to what Jesus said when he was asked, you know, what, what's the most important command? Love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Lots of similarities there in what Jesus says. Everything hangs on, on this idea of the way that we treat people because of what Jesus has done in our life. Um, you know the golden rule. Y'all, when you walk out of here, you'll be able to say, yeah, do unto others as, as you would have them do, do unto you. We know it. The question is, will we put it into practice? Will we live it out on a daily basis? If, if you're serious about following Jesus, let me just challenge you. Write it, write it on a flashcard. Write it on a, a, a three-by-five card. Put it up in your bathroom so that when you wake up in the morning, you see that and you go through your day thinking, do unto others the way, the way that I would like them to do to me. I'm going to treat people with that way. I'm going to p- treat people that way. J.C. J. Penney, when uh, he launched his chain of stores, when he retired, there were 1,700 stores in the J.C. Penney realm. Every one of those stores um, had a plaque. That a governing um, principle in those stores was the golden rule. Um, we, ha- we have to think about it all the time. You know, if we lived out the golden rule, there would never be a need for marriage counseling, right? It wouldn't happen. There would never be a need for conflict resolution because we would see what, what others need and think of them before ourselves. Um, if every follower of Jesus were living this out, the glory of God would be so present in the world around us that the world would look and say, behold how they love one another. I want to be a part of that. Let let me be clear about one thing before we close. It's this. The golden rule is not a secret treasure map for how you get to heaven. The golden rule is not the way that you have a right relationship with God. If, If I just treat others well, everything's gonna be right with God. Uh, That's not true on two levels. The first level is this. Um, We can never live out the golden rule consistently day in and day out. We're always gonna fall short of that. The second reason why why it's not that treasure map that leads us to heaven is because, um, uh, I just lost my my brain went someplace else. Sorry about that. uh, um, God, God doesn't judge us on a scale of good versus bad. He doesn't keep track to say, oh, you did this many good things and this many bad things, therefore you're good enough. That's not how God works. The only way we can have the right kind of relationship with God is through Jesus, through experiencing the forgiveness that comes because Jesus went to the cross for us. That's what we celebrate in a communion this morning. We live out the golden rule because of what Jesus has done for us. Because we've experienced forgiveness and grace and mercy and peace, because we've experienced that, we treat others and display, demonstrate the glory of God. Um, If you know Jesus, if you see him working in your life, the challenge today 
is, is to begin to think this afternoon in your home, when you go to work tomorrow, how, how would I want to be treated and how can I demonstrate that to the people around, around me? When we do that, God's presence permeates every corner of our lives. Let's do it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to study it and to hear the voice of Jesus. God, we thank you that you're working in us and doing things that, that, um, that, that, that changes from the inside out. Lord, we, we struggle. We struggle with how we treat people. Um, we don't always do it right. And God, we, we just ask that you would help us, that you would help us be proactive, that you'd help us see needs around us, and that we would let people see you in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.